Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Welcome. It's good to be together. It's good to worship. I don't know about you, but man, it refreshes my soul coming here and just singing. I, I tell people all the time, I love music. I can't use it at all. I wish I could sing. That's why I sit in the front row. I don't know if you guys know that. I don't, noise pollution for y'all. You're, you're welcome. Listen, we're starting a new series called Turn. And so right now you can turn, see what I did there, in your Bibles to Malachi. Feel free to use the table of contents. That's why it's there. I know most people use your phone. That helps too. But it's right before the New Testament. So if you've gone to, got to Matthew, you've gone too far. So back up one book. So we're going to be in Malachi, starting in chapter 1, verse 1. And if you're taking notes, which I encourage you, take some notes. You can title this sermon, God is forever faithful. God is forever faithful. And I can tell from the lack of a resounding amen, I'm glad you're here this morning. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. All right, it's good. We'll get there. As we come to Malachi, it's an interesting book because what it looks like in many ways that we're witnessing an uncomfortable, corrective conversation between a father and his child. That's what it looks like. So we're on the outside cooking, looking in. But to remind as we go through this time together, this series in Malachi called Turned, that God is a loving father who does give caring correction to his children. And what we're going to see here is God begins his message to his people with a reminder of his unfailing love and forever faithfulness. Psalm 117 tells us, it says this, Praise the Lord, all nations. Glorify him, all peoples, for his faithful love to us is great. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. And then it ends with this, hallelujah. I think we can brush by that sometimes. Hallelujah means praise the Lord, specifically means praise Yahweh. His covenant name to his covenant people, it's what we pick up in here in Malachi 1.1. So hopefully I bought you enough time to get there. So here we go. Malachi 1.1 says this. A pronouncement. The word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Let me stop there real quick. Give you a little what's going on here is God is speaking to his people through Malachi. And it says the word of the Lord. This goes back to Lord is a reference to his covenant name, Yahweh. It's reminding his people of his covenant name to his covenant people that God is a covenant keeper meaning God keeps his promises to his people. In other words, God is forever faithful. Deuteronomy 7.9 tells us, it says, Know that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his covenant. And a thousand generations, it's not like he's keeping count, all right, generation one, generation two, right? It's forever, without end he is faithful and so the background here in malachi does matter so this was written most people think between 460 and 430 bc and that timing matters because it's about a hundred years after they came out of the babylonian exile which was a way that god would use to correct his children this bondage captivity to the babylonians the lord would discipline his people from the rebellion by removing his protection Essentially, he gave the Israelites what they wanted at the time. Engrossed in idolatry and doing what they kind of wanted, drifted from God, and God kind of let them have what that looks like, a lack of his profession and protection. 
And so this is about 100 years after they returned from this exile and about 50 years after the rebuilding of the Jerusalem temple. And that's important because the Babylonians had destroyed it. So they've been about 50 years removed from that. And why that's important and significant is because the Lord said through the prophets Haggai and Zechariah that following the rebuilding of the temple, that there would be peace, prosperity, the returning of God's presence to God's people. But where they found themselves is they haven't experienced any of that during this time frame. The promises, they didn't see them. Which was leading to their impatience resulting in a type of spiritual poverty. And seemingly in their discouragement, God's word that came through the prophecy of Haggai and Zechariah must have seemed like cruel mockery. Now I wonder for us, have you ever been there? I mean, when life just hits, and things are just going off the wall crazy, and you know God's word, right? You know it. Like, you're a good Christian. You have, like, these little, you know, signs with Bible verses all around your house. I mean, you've replaced your TV with Romans 8.28, right? We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. You, you know it. But we're in those seasons when everything's falling apart. Doesn't it feel like that's the last thing you want to hear? Like, I know the all things, but tell me how this all things, God, right? I mean, if we're honest, have we been there? This is where we find these people. They know God's promises, but they start doubting God's word. And what we see here is the Israelites, God's people here, their spiritual decline, I believe, is generated from a self-induced perspective of what God should do. Imposing what they think God should do in the time frame he should do it, which he didn't. And so my question for us again to consider is, have you ever been there? Have you ever experienced God not moving in ways that you wish he would? Or within the time frame you think he should? Yeah. And if you haven't yet, just wait for it. Let's just be honest. But it's in these moments where the place of our faith is exposed. How do you deal with that? He's not doing what you think he should or the ways that you think he would. What do you do with that? It's in those, those times where we need to ask the question, who am I trusting in? So I know for me, I feel it when I don't trust in the Lord and I start trusting in myself, I feel the stress, worry, anxiety start creeping in and what world am I going to do with this? It's a reminder that we need to go back to what God's word says because God is forever faithful. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding. And that heart is a connection of the mind and heart. It's with all of your being, with all you know, trust in the Lord. Do not rely on your own understanding. And this is key. In Isaiah 55, God says, because my ways are higher than your ways. Meaning, I know more than you do. Right? I feel like this with my kids all the time. Like, man, just listen. Because I know what's going to happen. But what happens? Sometimes they have to experience themselves. And then they're like, Dad, I see what you're saying. I got you. God's saying, I know more than you do. Just trust me. See this unhealthy cultural climate that we're seeing here. The people and the priests have all turned from God's ways and turned to their own ways because of a distrust in God and his word. 
So they start doing what seems right in their own eyes. And so the question that we're going to ask through this series for us to really just pry a little bit into our own lives, have you turned from God? Have you turned from God? Strayed? Leaning more on yourselves? I'm not specifically talking about salvation, okay? I believe that you're still with the Holy Spirit at the moment you believe. You can't lose it because you didn't earn it. You know what I'm saying? But have you strayed? Have you turned at some level from walking with the Lord? And what we see is a distrust in God's word will lead to you leaning on your own ways. And this is an unchanging truth that we see today and that we've seen throughout history. When you start distrusting God's word, you'll figure out something else that seems right in your own eyes. And that's what's happening here. Our theme verse that we're going to keep going back to during the series is Malachi 3.7. Basically, the Lord says, since the days of your ancestors, you have turned from my statutes. You have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. And as we look back, just real quick, these Israelites have had this roller coaster of faith their whole lives, from generation to generation. That's what God's pointing back to here. I mean, it goes back to when they were, even before this, but really, when they were in captivity in Egypt. They found themselves this nation, this people grew, and now kings changed, leadership changed in Egypt, and the oppression and the harsh cruelty, slavery came upon the Israelites. And so what the Israelites do, they found themselves in a helpless and seemingly hopeless situation. They prayed. That's important. What they do, they, had, they were in a situation they could not control, they prayed. And what's amazing is what God says over and over through his word is that God hears. And he responded. And what's crazy is that he responded, but not in the ways that they thought he should or would, but he did. And what we would go on to see is that God would orchestrate a series of ten events that we see as ten plagues to free his people through one man, Moses, from Egyptian captivity to freedom. Moses says this as they were exiting. Moses says, remember. Remember this day when you came out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, for the Lord, Yahweh, brought you out of here by the strength of his hand. Remember. This is what we see all throughout history. Remember. God says, remember. 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 You know why? Because we forget, forget, forget. Remember what he's done. Because Yahweh, meaning God is faithful. He's a covenant keeper. And so what happens next is amazing. So they go out from the Egyptian captivity. They come to the Red Sea and literally find themselves between a rock and a hard place. Namely, between an advancing Israel army, Israel, Egyptian army, that changed their minds and now is coming after the fleeing Israelites. And so they have the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. And they're saying, what are we going to do? Again, Helpless and a seemingly hopeless situation. And what do you think they would have done? You would think they would start praying, right? Am I alone there? Like you, you've already seen God move once because your prayers start praying. What they do? They started complaining. Start complaining. Was there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to lead us here to die in the wilderness? It's interesting. When they were faced with fear, they forgot that God is forever faithful. And it's so interesting, I think we know this practically, but we see it throughout history, 
that God doesn't remove the barrier, the obstacle, the situation. He could have, God could have led the Israelites any way he wanted to. He could have lifted up the sea. He could have made them float over it. I mean, he could have done all kinds of things. But he didn't. But what he did, he didn't remove it. He led them through it. That's so important. He led them through it. And so he does. He leads them through it. He rescues them through this Red Sea miracle. Then these people come to this next obstacle because they were thirsty and there's no water. And so what they do? Didn't pray. They complained again. Why would you come bring us out here to die? Again, when faced with fear, they forgot that God is faithful. And God then would miraculously provide water for them. Praise God. So these moments that they've seen, these mountaintop faith-building moments, would Moses say, remember, flag, put your flag here. Remember this life-shifting moment. They would move on. And a time later, they'd become hungry and there was no food. So what they do? Complained. Like, this is amazing to me. They complained. Again, faced with fear, they forgot that God is forever faithful. And what God did is rained what I believe is Krispy Kreme hot and ready donuts in flakes coming down. The Bible calls it manna. Conjecture. But he provided for these people in a miraculous way because he's a covenant keeper. Again, with faces of fear, they forgot that God is forever faithful. And so it's interesting, when we look at these people, I think there's a caution here. Because we can easily say, we look at how God provided for these people, and we say, how could you be so faithless, right? Like, what is your deal? Didn't you, won't you remember? I think my question for us is, what areas in your life, if you're honest, if we're being honest, Again, I know church, no place for honesty, but we're going to try this out a few times. If we're being honest, in what areas of your life are you experiencing fear-based faithlessness? I mean, be honest. The Lord already knows. Maybe you need to tell yourself. Because this is where the God starts a renewing in our lives, a refreshing and restoring, because we go through these mountaintop valley moments. I mean, some of us are going through the unknown, the uncertain, the unclear, the unsure. And what that can lead us is feeling like we're completely becoming undone. I mean, have you been there? Or are you going through it now? Deuteronomy 4 gives us this encouragement. It says, guard and diligently watch yourselves so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen, and so they don't slip from your mind as long as you live. And it says, teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. I'm not going to spend much time on this, but this is so important. Here, this generation that we see here is one generation removed from being in Babylonian exile. So you would think they would remember God's faithfulness in bringing them again once out of captivity, but here they are again doubting God's faithfulness. So what are we doing about that? Parents, your main job is to raise your children to know and love the Lord. That's it. Not to be an all-star in sports or an all-star in society. Know and love the Lord and other things will follow. Those without children, you're called to help this next generation come and know and love the Lord. That's a variety of ways. But we put a lot of energy into our kids' ministry here. And so if you're a part of this church, we expect some level you support this next generation ministry 
whether you're getting involved or some way supporting. Listen, kids' ministry is not for everyone, and nor should you be in it. Some of y'all, okay? Not everybody. Just, I love you. Let's just, be, let's just be honest. But how are we investing in the next generation? What we see next is what we all need to know, what the next generation needs to know, what we need to know, and what the Israelites need to be reminded of. Verse 2. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet, you ask, how have you loved us? I think I've had this conversation in my, in my house. No, my kids are good. On one hand, again, this is an uncomfortable conversation that it seems like a father's having with his child. But on the other hand, I think, it, again, if we're honest, this is a conversation that some of us have had at some level with the Lord at some point. So I hear you love me, but how? Because look what's happening in my life. That comes from a variety of things. Maybe because of what he's allowed to happen in your life. Maybe for what he's not allowed to happen in your life. Maybe for what it feels like he's taken from you. Or maybe he's just been seemingly silent towards you. This is undoubtedly how the Israelites must have felt. This is a reminder for us that feelings do not shape facts. You understand that? Just because you feel a certain way doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Let's be honest. Some of us just wake up before our feet hit the floor and we're already in a bad mood. Why? Now things happen to you. You just feel grumpy. Is that just me? Okay. Talking to myself. What happened? Nothing changed. We feel a certain way, but doesn't necessarily mean it's true. God says, I have loved you. It's a reminder of his faithful, unchanging love. The fact that God loved us and chose us in him long before we ever loved him and chose him. That's what he's reminding him of. Long before. I'm thinking about my own kids. This is, as I was thinking about this, before any of my kids were even born, you know what? Already loved them. Already loved them. I didn't even know them. And I loved them. And that love would never go away from them. It's unchanging love. Despite what they will do, they will always have my love. They'll never drift outside my love. They cannot earn more of my love. They can't lose my love even when they act in ways undeserving of my love. How much more God, who is a good father, loves his children? Ephesians 1 reminds us that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So I feel like God's saying here, how you feel does not change the fact that I have always loved you and will always love you. And again, the response that God's getting to with these Israelites, this response that they give, is an indication of their heart posture. Essentially, oh yeah, how? Yeah, you loved us, show us. Doesn't seem like you love us. Like a kid who sees their father's actions or inactions as unloving. Like on one hand, my little toddlers, you know, they don't like to play with like little safe things like balls, like trucks. They like scissors and find a knife and run around and chase each other. And I take it, guess what? They're like, oh, thanks, Dad. Thanks for saving my life. They don't do that. They cry and pout. But I do that because I love them. 
Some, as my kids get older, I'll allow them to go through some things so they can figure it out before dad jumps in and saves the day and gives them the answer. Why? Because I love them. It's part of the developmental process. Doubting comes from a place of distrust in God and his word. And I think there's a caution here to be careful not to measure God's faithfulness through a personal perspective of a lack of provision within a preferred time frame. Like we measure God on our ways that we think are right and what we think is wrong versus what God's word actually says and remembering his faithfulness throughout the generations. I mean, we can learn so much for, from Job. Job, many of you are familiar, lost just about everything. Finances, most of his family. The only thing that he was left with was his wife. That wasn't great. Wasn't great. I call her a Proverbs 21 wife. You familiar with this? Better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a nagging wife. Stop pointing fingers, guys. Don't look here. Listen, husbands, don't look at your wives right now. That would not end well. Not going to be well. Through all this, Job says this. Out of mourning and worshiping, he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. So how could he have such faith? Here's the deal. Here's what Job knew. People will fail you. Listen, Many of you have been part of this church in the whole two and a half years of our existence, since day one. And man, maybe we haven't failed you? Just wait a minute. It's going to happen. People will fail you. Life will fail you. Health will fail you. But what Job knew is that God will not fail because God is forever faithful. And then pointing to his forever faithfulness. He says, essentially, remember, I chose you, you didn't choose me. Look at verse 2, continuing. Wasn't Esau Jacob's brother? This is the Lord's declaration. Even so, I love Jacob, but hated Esau. I turned his mountains into a wasteland and gave his inheritance to the jackals. Though Edom says, we have been devastated, but we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of armies says this, they will rebuild, but I will demolish. They will be called a wicked country, and the people the Lord has cursed. There's all kinds of backgrounds here, all kinds of things we could get to do. Let me just say this. Abraham, Father Abraham, had many sons, many sons of Father Abraham, you know. God's promise came through Abraham to make him a great nation. He would have many sons. Well, his first son, Isaac, would continue this promise that God had through Isaac. And then says Jacob would continue this. So when you see all throughout biblical history, it'll always say that God's promises came through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What we don't really see and maybe you don't know, it should have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, culturally. If people had their own ways, the firstborn had the blessing and favor from their father. Esau was born first, Jacob was born second. So a man's plans would have been Esau. God says, not so much. God's plans do not hang on our preferences and do not hinge on our will. They just don't. And it says God loved Jacob and hated Esau. This is not a response of emotion, okay? This is a response of election. God's choosing. Does that make sense? He's not like, I hated this person, I wish he never lived. 
It's a choosing one over the other. So we have to ask the question, why did God choose Jacob? Literally, God only knows. Look at his life. I mean, his name means deceiver. Sorry, Jacob's in the room. And his life would demonstrate that he's living up to his name. A life of deception until he got into this encounter with God. Got into the octagon. And God busted his hip up. And this is what we need to see. When you experience God, you will not walk the same. Walk with a limp. So when we look at this, I can't help but to ask, because I've been considering myself. We ask, why did God choose Jacob? I would ask for us to consider, why did God choose you? Why did God choose me? And if you start saying, man, I, well, obviously, look at me. I'm a pretty good person. Like, you would have been wrong if you wouldn't have chose me. Literally, God only knows, right? God only knows why he chose me, why he chose you. It should be baffling to us. When we see our neediness before God, why would God choose the people he does? But as we see in Ephesians 1, he chose us in him for the foundation of the world. He predestined us as adopted as sons. So how are you chosen? How are you adopted? How do you become a son of the most high God? Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. This is so important. Have you believed? Man, there is a God. This is what we, again, fall, favorite season. Flannels and festivals. It doesn't get much better than this. But yesterday at our festival, praise God what he did through us in this community, in this church. But what we told this community yesterday, having all kinds of fun on inflatables, we made the point that they knew that there's a God who loves them, and we are a people that need them. Meaning, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but God didn't leave us there. He paid the price for our sin through Jesus, who died and rose again. So that everyone who believes in him, everyone, will have life forever. The one that we were created to have in the first place with the Lord. I just wondered, how many of us really believe that? Because when you believe that, it changes everything. So here God is reminding his people of his faithfulness to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even during their faithlessness. Because his faithfulness is rooted in who he is. Not who they are, not who you are. It's who he is because God is forever faithful. I wonder how many of us here needed to be reminded that God remains faithful even in the midst of what you're facing. God's faithfulness is not based on our goodness, but it's rather rooted in his greatness for his glory. So he remains faithful because he'll remain great and glorious. Which leads us to verse 5. It says, your own eyes will see this. And yourselves will say, the Lord is great, even beyond the borders of Israel. You may be facing the uncertain. The days ahead may be unclear. You may be even feeling undone at some level. Remember that God is not unfaithful because he is unchanging. That's important. 
God's not unfaithful because he is unchanging because God is faithful forever. Malachi 3, 6, God says, I, the Lord, have not changed. Hebrews 13 tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God remains faithful. You may not see it now, but you will one day because the Lord is great. That's important. You may not see it now, but you will one day. One day the dots will be connected, and it may not be on this side of eternity. That's not what I'm promising. But one day you will see God has been faithful. And just just think through your history walking with the Lord, for those who have been walking with the Lord any length of time. I bet you've seen God's faithfulness on display. I bet you've also forgotten God's faithfulness on display at certain times. So I love the word remember. Remember. Real quick, there's this account of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel prays and fasts for three weeks straight without hearing a word from the Lord. Now I know, so some of you are like three weeks, right? I've been praying for months, years, and haven't heard a word from God. I know. But why this is significant? Because it also says that even though he didn't hear or see anything from the Lord for three weeks of praying and fasting, God actually answered his prayer day one. But he didn't see it until day 21. And there was spiritual activity that hindered the prayers that he was not aware of. This is good news for us. Because even though you don't see it, he is working. Didn't we just sing it? Even when you don't feel it, he's working. Because he never stops working. I'm not going to sing to you. That wouldn't be good for anybody. Be a barrier to the gospel. So when God's ways seem wrong to you, what do you do? It's going to happen. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Your understanding will lead to your undoing. Philippians 4 adds a little bit more to this. Verse 6, it says, do not worry about anything. That's a lot of stuff. Have you ever thought about that? Anything. But in everything, again, that about covers it, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, even your vast knowledge, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what do we do with this? I know that there are many here who are experiencing a type of faithlessness that comes from a place of fearfulness. You know, we go to what ifs a lot in life. What if this happens? Or I don't know what's next. And what if, what if, worst case scenarios. For God, for some, God has not moved in ways that you wish he would. Let's just be honest. For some, God has allowed things to happen that you wish he had not. And so for some, your prayers have not been answered within the time period you think they should have been. I'm just going to invite you guys, and for us as a church, to turn from the fear that you're experiencing at some level and return to the Lord in full faith. That's what this is all about. We can trust him. Despite what you're going through, despite what you think may happen, despite you not having any any understanding whatsoever, you can trust the Lord because he remains forever faithful. 
Psalm 112, verse 1 says, Hallelujah. Again, praise Yahweh. Happy is a person who fears the Lord, taking great delight in his commands. And then verse 7 says this. Because of who we are in the Lord, his people, verse 7 says this about us. He, being his people, will not fear bad news. Isn't that interesting? I mean, some of us are waiting for some news. Some of us are fearful about news that we create in our heads, right? He will not fear bad news. His heart is confident, trusting in the Lord. And so listen, I come here, and I've imagined some circumstances that could happen in my own life, and I'm preaching this message really to myself, because I know there's some circumstances that you're going through that you need to hear that God remains faithful, because it seems like he has left. It seems like he's gone back on his promises. He hasn't. He will not. And this gives us great boldness as Christians living in the Lord because of who God is, not who we are. He always says, do not fear. Why? Because you're awesome? No. Do not fear because I am with you. It has nothing to do with you and me. Praise God. It's who he is. And so we don't fear. And when we do fear, capture that because what it shows us, we talk about this check engine light. It's a check engine light that our faith has transferred from our Savior to ourselves. That's when fear, anxiety, stress creep in. And for some of us, maybe you've never experienced God's faithfulness in your life because you never actually fully turned to the Lord in full faithfulness, in faith. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, we've all gone astray like sheep. All have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of of us all. Jesus has taken all of our sin debt on himself, paid the price that we deserved, death that we deserved, separation that we deserved. And when he did it, he then said, it is finished, meaning it is finished. You guys know that? That took me a long time to figure that out. It means it's been paid in full forever. Your payment has been accepted. But it is only applied to your account by believing it. Somehow, some way that Jesus' blood on the cross counted for you and you can receive forgiveness of sin and new life in Jesus that starts at your moment of faith and lasts forever because of what he did for you and for me. John 3, 16, for God loved the world in this way. He demonstrates his love, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I love Romans 5, 8. It says, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I don't know what God's doing in your life this morning. I don't know what you're, all you're going through, what God's leading you into, but I know this God remains forever faithful. And so maybe we're just going to turn this time into time of prayer here in a minute. I'm going to invite you just to pray, to worship, but to respond to what God's doing right now. Despite what's happening out there, what's God doing in your heart right now? And so I'm going to invite our band back up, and they're going to lead us into another worship song. But I'm going to invite you to respond to what God's doing in the way God's calling you to do it. So for some of us, man, it's, it's being reminded God is faithful, and it's unchanging. So we stand and we sing because he is worthy, out of a celebration because of who he is, not what we're going through. For others, maybe you just need to sit there and pray. 
and just be real with God. Like, God, I don't understand. I'm, I'm dealing with this faithlessness. God, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe you just need to pray with someone. Have someone pray over you. We're going to have a prayer team over to the side. We want to pray with you, pray for you, walk alongside you. What if we actually turn this time of response of worship into a heart posture of worship? Not really caring more about what people around us are doing or thinking, but responding to what God's doing in our hearts and responding. So I want to give you the freedom and encourage you to do that. Respond to what God's doing. And I'm praying that he continues to refresh, restore, renew our hearts, our souls, our minds. God, I know we come in here weary, burdened, and tired. And at some levels, faithless. I'm praying God restores our faith, builds our faith, and brings many, maybe for the first time, to himself by faith. Let's pray together, and then we're going to respond in a heart of worship. Father, we thank you. We thank you for bringing us here. We know that you did not bring us here by accident. Even some of us planned to be here. We know that you have planned this long before we did. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your faithfulness isn't based on our faith. We thank you that your acceptance of us is not based on our performance for you. We thank you for what you have done and are doing. Lord, right now I just ask that you bring refreshing restoring to our hearts, to our minds as we come in here with so many burdens and baggage, stresses and anxieties, hurt that needs to be healed. Lord, we know that only you can do that. Heal the hurt that we come in here with. Build our faithlessness that we brought here. Lord, remind us of who you are, what you have done and what you are doing And bring us to trusting, even though we cannot see it. We trust you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. And we thank you for Jesus. Lord, lead us to respond now just by faith out of thanksgiving for what you've done. Lord, continue to deal in our hearts. Move your Holy Spirit in this place, Father. Help us to hear from you clearly and respond to you. Lord, we thank you for your amazing love that we've seen poured out through Jesus. And we know that all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved, will be accepted, and are welcomed as a child of yours. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. We just ask for more refreshing and more of your presence in our lives. Make your presence tangibly felt in this moment. And as we leave here today, let's remember and not forget that you are faithful, you have been faithful, and you will be forever faithful because you are unchanging. Father, we thank you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.